Welcome to May the Podcast Be With You. I'm Stephen Mather, solicitor and your business lawyer. I help small and medium-sized business owners and directors manage their legal problems. But more than that, I like to enjoy life, smile and learn from others. So this podcast is a way to help me and you learn how to be successful, whatever that may mean. Welcome along. My name is Stephen Mather. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Do SMEs have their ducks in a row in terms of legislation? That was the question on a Focus On panel I took part in recently, courtesy of the business community. Bizcom, as it's known, is a networking membership organisation with hundreds of small businesses across the Midlands. They put on face-to-face and online networking events, and if you'd like to attend a meeting for free, do get in touch. Okay, enough of my intro, I'll hand over to Paul. Although, not literally, it is a recording of a show that was live-streamed across the internet a few weeks ago. Over to you, Paul. Okay, hello, it's Paul Green uh, with another one of our Focus on Panels, where I bring together a panel of people that I believe to be experts in their field, and we look at a particular topic that affects small businesses. And today we're looking at, do SMEs have their ducks in a row when it comes to legislation? So we've got um, quite a diversity in the panel today, all of whom have their fingers in various pies with small businesses that um, uh, affect the legislative legislative nature of running a business. So I'll let them introduce themselves first and then we can crack on. So Nikki, do you want to let people yes, know Yes, certainly will. So um, good morning, everybody. I'm Nikki Buckley. Um, I am the managing director and founder of East Midlands HR. We're based in Ecton in Northampton. Um, and we partner business for people performance. So we work with SMEs to make sure they're remaining legal and compliant, either on a retained basis, ad hoc, or we really like some nice projects. They're really good and interesting work for us to do. Fair enough. Thanks, Thank Paul. you very much. Stephen. Good morning, everybody. Stephen May, the solicitor and uh, your business lawyer. I help small and medium-sized businesses with all of their legal problems, really. Um, so my experience, pretty wide and deep over the last 15 years of being a lawyer and there's not really a problem that a a small or medium-sized business could come across that I probably have not dealt with already. Um, So yeah, happy to help uh, and happy to input into this uh, focus on panel. Excellent and finally Gail. Thanks Paul. Morning everybody, my name's Gail Parker and I'm a data protection specialist at DataNets and we provide uh, expert advice on all things GDPR uh, we also cover cybersecurity, telecoms, and managed IT, and uh, certainly come across quite a few businesses that haven't quite got all their ducks in a row when it comes to GDPR. So, quite a relevant discussion, I think, this morning. Okay, glad to hear it. So, let me just hide that and put you full screen. So, yeah, that that is the topic. So, let's start with you, Nikki. Then, what are, what are some of the things that you find in your HR world then, that the, the mistake that sort of SMEs are making and, and whereby they haven't got their ducks in a row to use them. So I'm going to start with the very beginning with uh, the recruitment, even just placing an advert, sometimes they can get that so wrong by putting things on that are, are discriminatory. Um, so that can obviously affect people applying for the job because they might think, oh, I don't want to work there, but also you you're, um, run the risk of um, being taken to tribunal before you've even hired anybody. So I think that's always a good place to start and to make sure that the adverts that you put out and where they connect to and how you post things are always looked at fully. Um, And then I suppose going to the next stage would be the contracts. Contracts has been quite a big one that I'm finding people haven't changed. There was some legislation changes 
in April 2020 for requirements, what needed to be in, in a contract of employment. And they're the main things I'm finding that, that people haven't updated those at all. And do you find that in some of the clients that you start to work, they actually haven't got contracts at all? With yep. Yeah, I, we've had that. I've been contacted. I've thought, oh, you've had contract? Not got contracts at all. So, yeah, we've got them sorted out. And again, contracts change. You need to issue them from day one, if not before. So this is where, like, use of software, so e-sign software really comes into its own. It makes it really easy for SMEs or, and myself to get contracts out. Um, and it's also part, a key part of the onboarding process is the quicker you can get your paperwork out, the more likely you are, you are to get that person to start because as we all know it is I think what the news today was there's more vacancies than there, than there are in unemployed people mm. so you've got to if people if you are recruiting you've got to be quick you've got to get your, your paperwork all sorted but also that person's not guaranteed to start even until they've actually started on day one yeah yeah it's interesting time though, isn't yeah it? I was going to just jump in there. And that's a kind of a, it's a typical and a really simple one, but a classic example of how um, business owners, particularly in the small business world, um, fit, may feel like they're, tr they're trying, but they can never ca keep up with legislation changes. So what always used to happen is, um, and, and plenty of businesses still do this, is they would send their employee an offer letter and their offer letter set out some basic terms like we're going to pay you this much, you might get some holidays. Um, but then they probably didn't get around to doing a contract of employment or statement of terms for a few months. We'll let the probation period run out first because we, you know, just in case we see how we get on, if we like you, if you're any good, and then we'll give you a contract. That's what's happened, you know, for the last as long as I know. Um, but uh, as Nikki said, now from from last year, now from day zero, as soon as they start day zero, day one, whichever, um, they've got to have in their hands a statement of terms, a contract of employment, um, setting out an, a requirement of uh, a plethora of terms that uh, that need to need to happen. And so it's important that businesses stay up to date because you know things go out of date really quickly and, and that for me is a real key point um, and, and that can only really come from having um, uh, great support and advice around you you know using people like Nikki in an organization to go oh here's look here's some updates because if you're not looking for it as a small business owner if you're not actually going and looking oh what's the latest you know update um, you'll miss it um, but but we're paid to make sure that we don't miss those things. And is it, is it, do you think, is it an ignorance or an apathy or a combination of, of both that no. some of those things aren't in place? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is because I, I don't speak to many employers that, um, or many small businesses that don't want to get their ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just that there's, there's too much of it. So if we, if we take employment law, for instance, the, the quote that I've um, uh, made a career out of, but um, the, 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 what I always say is clients always come to me and say employment law is a minefield. And, and, and the raft of all the other legislation that we can talk about as well and things that impact on small business, it's a minefield. And small businesses are often created by people that were just good at their job or like the, their job. And they go, do you know what? I'm going to do this for myself. And then they start doing it for themselves and they start taking on staff and do this and do that. And you have, you know, a classical, uh, a classic you know, worker kind of manager owner of the business and they just want to carry on doing the job. They might now do some more management or they might do some, you know, BD or whatever it might be, but actually staying on in front of the legislation on top of it is 
is not what they were trained to do. It's not their forte. It's not what yeah. they, um, you know, the, sort of their, their setup to do. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's apathy or anything like that. I think it's just that they're running a business. You know, it's you fair, know fair enough. They've, they've, they've got a business to run. They've got clients, to, customers to please, staff to look after, you know, work to do, um, you know, the quality issue, all of those things in running a business. And so something always takes, a, 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 you know, a, a back row seat. And and the most, for me, I, like a quote in um, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, actually, it was about how, the value of having um, great advisors around you. And... Um, and there's another quote as well of having a you know if you're in business having a room full of people um, smarter than you are, yeah, in in running a business, and that's what it is. And that doesn't mean you have to have all of that knowledge and um, uh, and expertise in house by employing people, because you can get somebody like one of the people on this call, and yeah, there's a little bit of a cost, but then we make sure that you're compliant, um, and you know, that's what you really want. You know, it's uh, much better to be compliant because there's lots of consequences. Funny enough, Steve, in whatever room I seem to be in, people seem to be smarter than me. So, to, to anybody sort of listening to, this, listening to this or live or watching on the replay, if you do have questions or comments that you want to make for the panellists, then you can put that on whatever social media platform you're on, and we should be able to see that and uh, address it accordingly. So, so Gail, you're in the GDPR world. I guess there's a lot of misunderstanding and potential confusion about that. Well, what do you see out there in terms of people trying to get their GDPR ducks in a row? Yeah, I think a very similar story, actually, because uh, obviously there's a lot of hype back in 2018 when GDPR became law and a lot of running around trying to get their ducks in a row. And then I think most small businesses pretty much forgot about it after that. Um, and one of the things I come across all the time is, is people saying, well, I did my privacy policy you know, nearly four years ago now. Um, but that businesses change. Businesses change quite rapidly over the course of even a year. Um, and just sort of take the point that Nikki was making about new staff, there is a requirement under GDPR law for each new staff member to be trained in GDPR, but most companies don't know that. Um, the other thing that most companies don't know is that they need to register with the ICO if they process data. Um, again, it, I think it comes back down to you just don't know what you don't know. Um, as Stephen was sort of alluding to, they just want to get on with the, the job, the day-to-day -day job. And there are so many other things out there that they have to be mindful of. And it's, I think, sessions like this that raise the awareness of, of these types of issues. And, and do, do you think, Gail, that a lot of companies just wing it even though they possibly know they haven't got these things in place that they think well okay i'm, I'm, I'm unlikely to get caught so is, is, is that your experience that they think they'll get away with it so they don't have to do anything right now yeah i can pretty much split an audience in half whenever i'm doing a presentation half of them will know they're not doing everything they need to but it's not the high, highest list highest priority on their list uh, and then, unless they get caught they're not too fussed about it and then the other half really much don't know what they're, they're supposed to be doing. So I think, yeah, absolutely. And a, a business will have different priorities on a day-to-day -day basis. And the one that's shouting loudest will usually get the most attention. Mm. Um, but I think people don't realise, I mean, I quite often get uh, people coming up to me, they've been written to by the ICO. They've got a letter saying, why haven't you registered uh, with them? And that's when they'll come to me rather than preempting that. Uh, and getting everything lined up before that letter arrived. And it's probably worth pointing out that it's a fairly easy process to register with the ICO, and it's, what's, it's what's it now, £35 a year or something like that? It's not... Yeah, £35 for direct debit, and it takes 10 minutes, 
actually online and, and it will tell you whether or not you need to register as well as you go through the process yeah it's quite quite straightforward and i found that you know i did it years ago you know because i'm very clear in the nature of my business that i'm handling data um and i guess it's just sort of one rule on the ladder so a level of protection you know just to let people know that i have gone through the process and uh you know i am managing data so yeah i think it's worth every business doing that because i'm sure every single business is managing and keeping data in some way steve you've got to it's some, it's something it's, it's you know it's, it's it's one of those things i had a client that um had a data protection issue shall we say and they went oh no because i've registered with the ico and <laughs> oh yeah yeah yes it's just and, it, and, and you go well okay but did you do and and, and that's the problem so like girls right with gdpr like there was it was it was madness and everyone was kind of oh we've got to do something and we've got to you know send somebody on a course you know do a webinar and uh, and do that right and and that, that was it's great right but it's an ongoing thing and people in my experience businesses are even the ones that think they're doing gdpr well aren't um and it's exactly and um you know i had i had a guy the other day there's a, a very minor data protection breach and uh so i uh, he says what do i do and um so i you know i diverted into the ico website there's a self-assessment report pretty much always for small minor breaches it's going to turn around and say put it in a data log uh, put it in a log and record it you do have one of those don't you <laughs> and, and and that's it so it's it's um from a small business point of view there is just so much on in each sector in each area to stay on top of and keep keep abreast of that it's it is nigh on impossible in my book to be able to do it unless you have the experience and you're qualified like the people on this call apart from paul um, <laughs> or, um or, or you use use experts and and that is for me the bottom line if you're in a small business look i know if you're a freelancer you're just starting up um getting and putting in place a data protection policy um and actually doing a gdpr kind of audit of what data you're going to be holding and all of that kind of thing is probably not something you're going to want to spend some money on right now because you're more interested in getting the work in but each one of these steps uh you know it's it's really important getting employees right getting um uh data protection right or getting one of the other 10 things that i've made another list of as i did in the previous one <laughs> Uh, James has tuned in, James Blackclaws, and just asked what percentage of small business owners do you think don't have ICO registration when they should have? Um, I don't know whether any of you know the stats on that. I'd imagine it's quite a high percentage. That it don't. is, yeah. The last um, stat I read was that over a third of businesses still haven't registered that, that should have done. I think it's probably nearer 50% of businesses um, yeah. because I still speak to, to businesses on a almost daily basis well i don't need to register i don't process data <laughs> and then when i say well, do you have customers do you have employees yes <laughs> and so i think again it's just that you don't know um that what you don't know again yeah very true very true so nikki anything else that you see yeah i mean i, I should say going still with the recruitment the right to work um i that's another thing that normally pops up with the um or any audits that I do is whether they can show that they've been signed and dated and the copies are clear and all this and where they've gotten stored and then bits of paper or scanned and if they're on a secure file. But also with obviously with different changes with doing virtual checks and then going back to, um, no, I think it's November, I'm gonna have to check now, um, to the original documents, as all that sort of things changes. Another big thing again, 
where that documents and who has access to that data as well. Again, that's why I would say HR systems come into their own because it means it can all be securely stored. Tick Gail's box for the data protection as well and limit the access of who can go on there. So I think there is lots of things that people can do to prevent things, but it's making them aware that they've got to have things in place in the first instance. Yeah, and even something like that with um, storing HR information, um, you've got things like sick pay, disabilities, ethnicity, mm -hmm. and these are all special category data, um, which again needs to be more looking after than your sort of regular personal data. And again, a lot of people don't don't know that. And vaccine status was one recently. <laughs> oh, we're going to start asking people if they're vaccinated, right? Yes. Okay. Where's yes. your policy for that? What do you <laughs> mean? Mm. That's but sensitive need, um, medical personal data you're going to hold. Yeah. And you need an appropriate policy document in place if you're going to process anything like that as well. Again, who's heard of an appropriate policy document? Apart from me, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from you. Fortunately, I have as well. The, the, um, I, I, was, I mentioned the, the quote. I didn't follow it up. So employment laws are minefield. All, all area of law, if someone is an SMA, they're affected by it. It's a minefield. But you can navigate minefields, and that's the thing. Like, if you've got the right, if you if you had a, a minefield with a map of where the mines were, you would be able to walk through that field no problem. Um, and it's it's that's that's the key. If you if you're trying to do it blindly and just guessing where the mines are, then you might get blown up, lose a leg. Yeah, Neil's just made a comment. You know, he's he's a small business. I think he's been in business just is it a couple of years? Yeah, I know he's yeah, just started years, yeah. During, during lockdown, and of course, you know, he's he's in the financial world as well. So he's got all the other additional legislation that goes with that. So yeah, he's commented there, and also been quite kind to sort of say that you know, being part of a community like this can help raise awareness and make sure that people, you know, are are trying to keep on track with the legislative needs. So terms and conditions. Stephen, you're a bit of yeah. an expert on that. Um, yeah. is, 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 what, what's the legalities around companies having terms and conditions? Do they have to? No. Um, so no no requirement for them to have terms and conditions in place um, at all. Uh, particularly if you're if you're doing business to business trading, uh, it's fine. You can you can do whatever. It, why you would is beyond me because it means then all you're relying on is you know an email or a handshake, uh, you know a verbal agreement, something along those lines. It's a document what was actually agreed. Um, but terms and conditions are, are really important, um, particularly if you're dealing with consumers. So there are, and although terms and conditions aren't necessarily uh, aren't necessarily a requirement, if you're dealing with consumers, you have to provide them with certain information. Um, and that's why we would normally do that in terms and conditions. So if we're dealing with consumers, we've got to tell them um, the Consumer Rights Act applies and the, the regulations set out what they can and can't do or what you can and can't do and what you've got to be able to offer them. Depends on if you're offering them goods or services, if they're digital goods, et cetera. Um, but, you know, they have a, a right to request a refund if they're unhappy, a right to request a repair if the problem, uh, you know, can be repaired, et cetera. Um, and so there are definitely certain certain uh, amounts of information that, um, that businesses need to do. If you're dealing with things online, remotely, and you're not seeing somebody, they're not coming into your office, then that's uh, that's a, a distance selling contract. So again, some other terms uh, apply, some other legislation applies there. Basically, they get a 14-day cooling off period from entering into the contract. So <clears throat> that's um, it, it's something that's really important. I had a case once uh, involving a builder and the builder was doing work um, and the next door neighbor said, oh, can you come around to mine and give me a quote? Yeah, sure. I'll pop around, gave them a quote. 
And they said, can you start? Uh, so they said, yeah, start doing the work. Um, but that was a uh, what's called a doorstep contract. Um, and it's, it's not at your premises. It's an off-premises contract. So they get a cancellation period. And the law says because they didn't give them the notice required that says they have a 14-day cancellation period or the, uh, the ability to waive the 14-day uh, period because I want the work doing in, in, you know, on, a, on an emergency basis, then technically they don't need to pay. And, um, and, and that's a bit of, <laughs> that's a really difficult one if you're a builder having done some work. Um, and uh, yeah, you didn't, uh, you didn't do what the law says you should do. And, and again, so things like that. I, I, I noticed I was doing, um, I was doing something recently, um, uh, sending out some some Christmas cards actually, um, and looking at uh, people's websites for addresses. And I would say, as much as fifty percent of the businesses that I looked at didn't have the required information on their website. So again, there's regulations that say if you're operating a website, you need to identify who the legal operator is. The entity, the company name, etc., and an address for contact. Um, and so many people aren't putting that, that information on. Um, then it's, a lot of them definitely missing off whether or not they're a company or, or not a company. And again, that, it's, um, it's, it's things like that. Is that just for limited companies, Stephen? No, any anyone running a website. If you're running a website for business purposes, yep. um, you've got to identify who the legal operator of that website is. So if it's if it's you, Paul, you know it, you, you've got to write you know business community. It's Paul Green Trading as the business community, yeah. Um, and it, like me, my website has my limited company uh, details on on the bottom there because it's a limited company. And now you can add that into you know uh, terms uh, terms conditions kinds of um, page on on the website, or you can have it on the foot on every page or whatever. But it's still a requirement to put on a website. Websites, of course, they have loads more requirements like cookies. Uh, which links into GDPR and things like that. Um, but again, people, are, are they doing it properly? No, probably not. They've got an idea that they've got to have a pop-up banner saying, you know, do you accept cookies? And that's, oh, I'll do that then. But uh, actually, are they giving it any thought about what requires is, is a different question. Yeah, yeah but certainly the cookies and the privacy policies, most people either uh, borrow one from somebody else or... Um, they use the sort of standard one that comes with a, uh, a plug type website. And of course, it doesn't say what it should do because it doesn't cover everything they need to. Um, and if you're collecting any sort of data on a website, you've got to have your privacy policy at the point of data collection. And again, people don't do that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to, to mention was ring doorbells because um, something that a lot of people have now are these ring doorbells um, at their front doors and quite often in, in business premises as well. Um, and ring doorbells are covered by GDPR. And in fact, one uh, case recently saw a private citizen, which generally isn't covered by GDPR rules, fined £100,000 for having their ring doorbell spying on their neighbour. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's... Uh, it's something to look out for. So if you've got ring doorbells, particularly in your business, um, you need to have uh, the right uh, documentation in place. You need a, a recording policy. You also need to register with the CCTV with the ICO. So again, something as innocuous as a ring doorbell can also trip you up. Stop stalking your neighbours. <laughs> James Blacklaws has asked a question about what puts business owners off having proper terms and conditions in place. 
I think I think the answer to that question is it, the same thing that puts business owners doing anything. It's the same thing that puts me off going to the gym. I know it's really good for me, but uh, honestly, I've got better things to do with life. And, well, and that's the get, same. How did, same body, how did you get a body like that, then, Stephen? Oh, this is a filter. It's fine. That's how I do everything <laughs> online. It's uh, it's it's amazing. I know. I know. I look twenty-one and incredibly handsome. I get it. I get it. Stop. Stop going on about it, Paul. Um, no, look, um, I think I think I think businesses perhaps think that you know cost, um, things like that costs a lot of money, um, and uh, and and actually, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they 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 don't, and it's a cost saving. But I, as I say, I appreciate that you know, if you're if you're a new startup and that you're looking at um, you know coming coming to someone like me or one of the other people that provide you know d documentation and terms and stuff like that. And, and the other people on the call, and you say, right, I want to be completely fully compliant. I'm starting up in business. I want to be completely fully compliant. I want to make sure that I've got a shareholders agreement in place. I've got a will in place. I've got my terms and conditions in place. I've got a um, my GDPR all sorted. I've got my employment stuff all sorted. I've got um, you know any kind of marketing materials all sorted, any regulatory stuff. So it's going to cost you quite a bit of money. Yeah. But there are... Um, there are cheaper alternatives um, that uh, that are available. I know there's a there's a um, another member in the business community that's just launched BB Consultancy. They've just launched a you know website for startups and I think some small business academy or something like that. It was called which you, you know, people can go on for a very low cost and you know get information and get guides and help and support on things like that. So there's there's plenty of businesses out there that um, you know are are changing the way of delivery of, of this, but it's just a matter of small businesses going out there and, and, and saying, yeah, do you know what? I need some help. In terms of conditions, you know, even, even if you got an incredibly expensive lawyer like me to draft them, it's going to cost you a few hundred quid. Uh, it's not going to be something that is, you know, several thousands of pounds. It's, um, but, but really important to have them in place. But it's just, I think the reasons why small businesses don't do it is because it's one of many things that they need to get around to doing. Is, is that the same for you, Nikki? Do they think there's going to be an immense cost to sort of put in all their HR products in a row? Yeah, I, I believe so. I think if I said like HR system, people think that's really expensive. But I mean, I the partner with them, the HR system I use, and it's really affordable. And if it's going to save you, we believe on average, 30% of the people admin time, then it's kind of a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you have an HR system? Why wouldn't you have people trained to use it? It's really quite an intuitive system. You can set up reminders such as your right to work if there is ones you need to check and things so that you know you're not going to miss things or we can do that for you. It's just working with SMEs to understand what's going to be the best way for them that's an affordable solution so that they can sleep at night and not have the worry of um oh my god i've not done this i've not done that i'm rhmrc gonna turn up mm. and want to check all my right to work documents and i've not got them and then oh, it's a twenty thousand pound fine so do you pay something now or have, have the have the fines yeah i was going to come on to that you know what are, what are the the uh, potential fines or, or costs of being found out so you just sort of shared that and there's, there's what are the fines in the gdpr world uh, gail for not being compliant yeah, so it can be up to 4% of your yearly turnover. Um, and the, the sort of irony is if you haven't got your ducks in a row beforehand, you can get fined twice. So you can, let's say you have a data breach, <clears throat> you can get fined for the data breach and you can get fined for being non-compliant as well. So even if you do have something that, that went wrong, 
Um, you might have a much smaller fine if you have got everything else in the background correct. Um, but they say 4%, and I think they've recently um, fined, um, I think it was Facebook, about £4 million, which to me isn't 4% of their yearly turnover, so I'm not quite sure how they calculated that. Um, but they have fined small businesses. I've known a, a, a business in, in the Northamptonshire area that's been fined £6,000 for um, breaches. So it's not insignificant. Mm -hmm. And people are just sort of uh, playing the lottery, aren't they, if they're not getting uh, getting those things things in place. Anything There's else some... on your list, Stephen? I know you do a top 10 for these I sessions. Do, I, I do, yeah. You, you know, fail to prepare and all that. Um, <laughs> the... the um, I mean, if you if you take it, so just going back on that other subject, the consequences of, of not making sure that you're compliant with stuff. Take health and safety as an example. We don't have somebody here doing health and safety, but it's a massive area in which people kind of pay lip service to because they think it puts hurdles in the way of them doing the job that they want to do and just want to crack on with stuff rather than making sure that things are safe and people aren't dying. But the consequences of not following that through and not doing a proper health and safety uh, you know, not not having all your health and safety things lined up, it's potentially imprisonment. You potentially go to prison for manslaughter because somebody died. Mm. And it's like, well, that's a major thing. Your company will go bust because they'll fine you a massive amount of money as well. But like ending up in prison is pretty severe. And um, and so again, it's that it's the consequences of of you know making sure that things are in in place. Um, what other things that I've got on my list? Uh, we've covered most of them. Um, I've got so if you're a company. You've got uh, you've got duties and uh, legislative duties under the Companies Act. Most companies don't realise that because they've never looked at the Companies Act 2006. But um, it, it sets out a, a whole raft of what your duties are, what the companies can and can't do as uh, as a director. And um, and one of the things that uh, is very common but people don't realise is that as a director, you can still be liable for the debts of the company. Uh, most people think if you've got a limited liability company that it's you're, you're protected that i'm not as an individual liable for the um uh for, for what's gone on in the company so if if something massive happens the company will just close go bust and i can um, you know escape scot-free limited liability is for the shareholders of the business so what that means is that as a shareholder i might own 100 pounds worth of shares my liability to pay anything extra over and above that is limited to uh, to 100 pounds but as a director you have duties set out in the companies act and if you breach them, fundamentally breach them, then you could be held liable, particularly on a liquidation or a winding up of the business. Classic example that I've seen a number of times is um, things like non-payment of tax. So companies that are struggling um, don't, often don't pay HMRC, all right? Don't pay the tax man. And then they get wound up and, think, and, and they kind of think, oh, I've got away with not paying the tax man. That was good. But you haven't, because the company law duties are that you've got to pay the tax man, and surprisingly, and so they'll say that that was a breach of company, uh, your company act um, duties. Uh, as a director, you should have done that. As a director, that's caused the business a loss, and therefore we're going to recover that from you. And there's been court cases that support that, and, and I don't know, insolvency practitioners pursue that as a really easy uh, claim to bring against a, a director. So um, again, it's kind of making sure that you know, as a director, you're aware of what your duties are as well uh, in, in legislation. Um, the other couple of points that I've got, so advertising and marketing, mostly advertising, there's quite a lot of law about uh, about advertising, whether or not that's on TV, radio, internet, that kind of thing. It's all governed um, 
uh, by a variety of different uh, organizations but you can't say stuff that's misleading in advertising or marketing you can't say stuff that's dishonest uh, and 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 uh, or offensive and things like that most people are okay on that because it's kind of a common sense thing um but you know people do get stung if you have a look even like adidas you know showing a, a picture online recently of uh, of of naked breasts um they they got fined and, and the advert got pulled and it's caused them you know uh, problems because just the way it is um the final one that i've got on my list and i've seen this quite a bit where small businesses are dealing with large businesses like multinational businesses and they require a whole suite of documentation to be put in place uh, or, or for the company to have things like anti-bribery anti-slavery uh, policies uh, anti-corruption those kind of uh, you know st standardized policies almost um, and I had a, a, a number of businesses that have come to me saying, look, we're going to be working with this in a massive international organization. They require us to have all of these policies put in place. Can you help? And the answer is yes, of course. Nice one. So so um, somewhere that I found quite useful um, and I know people do get benefit from in terms of finding affordable documentation to cover their asses for want of a better expression um, is, is the FSB website so I don't know whether you guys are members of FSB uh, but they do have a legal hub they have a legal helpline and they also have quite a, a suite uh, of documentation which I, I think you know to start off with if people mm. are you know a little bit short uh, you know uh, there's some quite good stuff on there I mean, what, what are your thoughts uh, around that nikki i'll come to you yeah i'm in the fsb i think it's a really good um place to start i think it's a quite an affordable um community to be in and if you're getting the net the, the documents there to start off with then there's a, the, you're right there's a full suite of them covering anything from there is employment stuff on there there is um health and safety things on there is the business agreements on there so i think it's a great place to start um there may be some adaptation that you're not sure what to do and that's where people like myself gail and stephen would would be able to support those businesses yeah i, I think there's, there's quite a few guides on there as well as opposed mm. to just the, the documentation that tells you what you should be doing as a small business and i think for a uh, a one man one woman band i think it's like 149 pounds a year or something i think that's the current rate which is you know yeah. not a lot of money for all the services <laughs> it, they provide it's 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 a bargain on the basis that you get access to a legal helpline and mm -hmm. if if you think about what a lawyer you know typical lawyer would charge uh for something and 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 that for a year you get you know maybe 45 minutes an hour with a lawyer so it's 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 a bargain to have. Um, Gail mentioned a point which is it kind of cross references to what you you're talking about. Using a site like FSB, I think is brilliant, and I you know I happily recommend that uh, kind of thing to uh, to people um, to do it. But just borrowing something from another website that you know maybe a competitor or somewhere that you saw online, not so good. Yeah. Um, simply because I've had a number of clients then have snotty letters from uh, lawyers saying that they're in breach of copyright because you've stolen one of my clients x y and z policies from their from their internet and they're dead easy cases to to argue because you go hey look here's house there's yours the only thing you changed was your name um and it's our copyright and therefore we want 500 quid from you um and you try and argue against it and you're going to lose and they'll take you to court and i've seen it and you will lose so yeah, don't don't just kind of borrow and think everything's fair in the internet world. You can just take whatever you want. It's not someone else's uh, hard work. You can't steal it. I've, I've seen before that people haven't even been clever enough to change all the things in the terms of the <laughs> yeah. and it's still yeah. got reference to the old company or address has nothing to do with them. So, yeah. <laughs> 
it's it's quite scary. So, Gail, what are you, what are your thoughts on the on the FSB? Um, yeah, to be honest, I'm not a member, so uh, I can't really comment. Although I have uh, been lucky enough to join some of the the events recently, but uh, my business partner is and has been for 16 years, and I think he would very highly rate the support and the network and also yeah. the sort of resources that he has access to. Uh, yeah, so it's certainly a place to check out, you know, if you're stuck with something, um, then, uh, you know, <clears throat> give that a go. And then if you can't fathom that out, then come to some of you lovely people. So any, anything else before we uh, uh, wrap this up for today? Anything, any sort of last bits of advice you've got for people? Nikki? Um, I was just thinking, I mean, one thing we've not touched, I saw, I think it was today, news about a, a claim that's just, or a payout for 38000 for a pregnant lady um just because they've not followed some of the not done risk assessments they've not done the process then they made a redundant all oh, lots of things going on so it had lots of flag up warnings all the way through it but they're a small business um and they just thought they could do what they want well unfortunately you can't mm -hmm. i still think there's some um you know some alan sugar style hire and fire and type bosses out there not really following the, any of the 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 guidelines at all and I, I think i think people are getting a little bit more savvy now that they realize you know they can go to a tribunal and can uh, challenge uh, what's happened to them and i think I, i'm not sure whether your experience is that's happening more at the moment or less over the last 10 years um i think my experience with tribunals is it's less of in terms of the, what i've had to do for tribunals um but there's definitely more of the people do to do seem to rely on that oh they've not been here for two years i can just get rid of people well that's not the case for disability discrimination so that's where you've got to really be careful um mm. because that will tri trip you up yeah absolutely uh, and again again so so uh, you know em employment law it's a minefield unless you uh you know have a map the best map to employment law is having good contracts and a handbook a handbook setting out policies of what you need to do and then if, if they're properly written by somebody like nikki then you're going to say okay here's what we need to do and as a business as long as i follow each step and make a sensible decision and not one that's based upon bigotry or racism or something like that then i'm going to be okay yeah because the the law says you, you can only have a claim against somebody if it's unfair if the decision was not didn't follow a fair pr process or mm -hmm. if the decision was so unreasonable that no one else would make it. it's the only two times um for, for unfair dismissal that you're going to make a claim so as long as you follow a process you're going to be all right the claim that nikki was mentioned they kind of just make a hash of it because they just go do whatever and I, I've, I've plenty of clients like you say the 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 alan sugar type uh, people actually not alan sugar because i don't know anything about him i don't want a defamation claim against me he's a good guy i like him he's nice and he's got really deep pockets um, but people that want to just hire and fire uh, i have plenty of clients that are like that and uh and i say to them yeah you can do as long as you pay for it and and that's the bottom line yeah i can i can fire anybody i can i can uh if you want to sack somebody that is on long-term disability uh long-term long sick leave because of a disability then we can sack them if you, you can sack somebody as, as as easy as you want but you just have to pay <coughs> for it and if you're prepared to do that and we can avoid all tribunals we can avoid all issues and everything like that we just need to pay them off um and then some some businesses go yeah okay and some businesses go oh no i don't know why i should pay them because they're not doing the job right oh, okay then you're gonna have an employment tribunal claim so whichever one you want there's the the, the bottom line for me is this um <clears throat> and going back to the the question do smes have their ducks in the in line um for legislation no probably not can they reasonably talking probably not it's very difficult 
but using external support and advisors means that we're going to hold your hand and make sure that you know we're using and you're using the right map to get you through that minefield okay any last point from you and I really would just to echo what Stephen just said, it's it's better to get your ducks in a row beforehand uh, rather than waiting for the fine, the prison sentence or whatever it's going to be. Um, a small investment up front is a much better way to do it than waiting for the axe to fall. Okay, thank you guys for joining me uh, today. Uh, these go out at 11 o'clock uh, every Tuesday. Uh, the next one is focused more on the strategy and personal development sort of area of business. And we're looking at is a coach, mentor or business advisor essential for a small business? So uh, thanks if you've tuned into this either live or on the replay. Um, that's pretty much it. So I'll let, let everybody go and end the call there. Thank you very much. There we go. Thanks very much to Paul for hosting the Business Community Focus On panel. The um, the Business Coach uh, panel that he was talking about at the end of that was a few weeks ago. You can catch that on uh, YouTube, uh, the Business Community YouTube channel. Um, do check that out and check out the other ones as well. That's it for now on this podcast. Thanks very much for listening. I've been Stephen May, the solicitor. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>